you out hustling. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. All right, welcome into RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition. I'm AJ Hoffman. He is Scott Seidenberg. It is week 10 of college football. And you know what that means, folks? We've got rankings. And this is what everybody's been waiting for. Finally, the the first uh, college football playoff rankings have been announced. And Tennessee, number one in the rankings. I'll ask you first, Scott. What are your thoughts on Tennessee at number one? Doesn't matter. Okay. (laughs) My favorite thing about the initial college football playoff rankings every single year is that they mean absolutely nothing. Because these rankings will change every week, and these teams will play each other and eliminate each other. It's why I hate the idea of an expanded playoff, because we don't need an expanded playoff. The regular season is the expanded playoff. Look, Tennessee's number one, Georgia's number three. They play each other this weekend. One of those teams will be eliminated from college football playoff contention. It's just as simple as that. Right? Yeah. Just it's it's simple. Ohio State's number two, Michigan's number five. They play each other in a couple of weeks. Guess what? One of those teams is going to be eliminated from college football playoff contention. Yeah. Simple as that. So I, I just don't get the overreactions and everyone arguing. Now, I certainly have thoughts on teams that I thought should have been ranked a little differently. I have no issue with Tennessee being ranked number one because I could have made a case for Tennessee to be one, two, or three. And so the fact that they're number one. It's like the committee throwing them a nod saying, enjoy it while it lasts because you're going to lose this Saturday. Yeah, either they're going to be number one with no argument whatsoever uh, next week. Or they're out or, of the top four. Or, yeah, or, or they're, yeah, that's basically what it boils down to. So that they're, they don't matter much at all. Ohio State, Michigan, like you said, they're going to play each other by the end. Uh, I, the, the ones that I was interested in, like you see TCU at seven. Oregon and USC at eight and nine, like those, and I guess even UCLA at 12, uh, a lot of PAC 12 representation, which is different than the last few years. Um, and yeah. And then I guess obviously what matters is the, the, the G five teams who, what G five teams got love and which ones didn't. And the highest rated G five team Tulane mm-hmm. at number 19, as you know, I'm a big Tulane fan. I, I, I do like that team quite a bit. Uh, the only other G5 team that was in the rankings came in at 25. That was Central Florida. What did you think of the ranking of LSU at 10? Does that seem high? A little bit high to me. Uh, They're playing good ball right now, and I guess sure. that's, that clearly had to, to go into it. The win over Ole Miss is it's fresh in everyone's mind, and so that's the reason why they're ranked this high. But elsewhere on their schedule, there's absolutely nothing to – say that they are a top 10 team in the nation. Yeah. Okay. You beat Florida. Big deal. Florida stinks. Yeah. You lose to Tennessee. Not even lose. You get blown out yeah. by Tennessee. And you lost to Florida State. Now, I get it. Florida State's had a decent season. But their their best win is Ole Miss. And now they have Alabama. So, again, this could be just the committee putting a team here for now. And they know that it doesn't matter. Either Alabama or LSU gets eliminated from playoff to contention this week. Absolutely. Well, so one of the, one of them T- goes TCU's home. TCU's the one where I think I have a little bit of an issue. Why? Because I think the committee putting them at number seven to me is a little disheartening for the Big Twelve. 
So the Big 12 stinks. It should be disheartening. I, I, I honestly think TCU stinks. Like they can't sure. play defense. They keep they keep feasting on backup quarterbacks. Sure. But you can only judge a team based off the schedule that they play. Yeah. And regardless of where teams end up, the fact that when they played them, they were ranked where they were, it has to account for something. In four consecutive weeks, TCU beat number 18, number 19, number 8, and number 17. That has to mean something. And for the committee to put them as low as they did and to put a team like Clemson, which is just going off brand recognition at this point, up where they did, I think is a disservice to the Big 12 Conference. I think I don't know. I don't feel bad for the Big 12 conference because I don't think the Big 12 conference is any good. And remember when they when they beat Oklahoma, that that was a game where Dylan Gabriel had to leave the game with an well, injury. Let me ask you this they question beat Kansas right now. with a backup quarterback. I, I'm not if I'm not TCU, giving them all this love. If TCU runs the table and is an undefeated Big 12 champion, are they in the college football playoff? It depends on what the rest of the, the scene looks like. Is a is a undefeated two SEC teams? Is an undefeated Big, uh, big 12 team better than a one loss Alabama? I'm I'm giving you two SEC teams. Okay. I'm, two SEC teams are getting it. Okay. Okay. I'm giving you two SEC teams. I'm is giving, Clemson unbeaten? I'm giving you undefeated Big Ten champion. Okay. Is and Clemson that, unbeaten? Yes. Undefeated then, Clemson or undefeated TC? Clemson. Who's four? Clemson. Why? Clemson's going to have a win over Notre Dame. It, it, They're you, favored. It, 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 what, what, show me the win on on. And who's Notre Dame? Show me the win on TCU's schedule. It'd be better than a win over Notre Dame. I mean, really show me a win that'll be better than a win over Wake Forest. I don't know that they have one. Let's say Kansas State continues to win and they rematch Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. Now you got two wins over Kansas State. And now, and then, and then you'll have Clemson playing a one-loss North Carolina in the ACC championship. I mean, the ACC is just a better league than the Big 12 right now. And I mean, I honestly, I don't know that the or that the Big Twelve is better than the Pac twelve right mm-hmm. now. Like, I'd argue, I'd make a good argument for one loss, Oregon, Pac twelve champion, or undefeated TCU. I, I think I'd make a good argument for Oregon because what was their one loss? Georgia, Georgia, yeah. yeah. So and and it's always better to lose early than late. And losing first game of the season, neutral site to Georgia, who could wind up being undefeated. Not a bad loss. And Oregon would have a win over USC, a win over UCLA, a win over Utah. Those are... Well, we're assuming USC is the Pac-12 yeah. championship if, game. Yeah. So maybe a win over USC. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I just... The Big 12, to me, is the bottom of the Power 5. You don't got to sell me about Oregon. I think Oregon's the fourth best team in the country. Okay. If you're asking me right now who are the four best teams in the country, it's Georgia, Ohio State, and then it's probably... Ugh. It's probably Alabama. So if you put Tennessee and, Ohio, and Oregon on the field, you like Oregon? I do. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't get there with that. I, I like. I, I think there's several teams that that smash Oregon. Michigan smashes Oregon, in my opinion. Really? Yeah. I think like somehow Michigan went to the playoff last year, beat Ohio State, and. It, they haven't lost again, and yet somehow they're wildly underrated by people. Like people just sure. oh, they just don't think Michigan's any good. I, I don't get it. Oregon's offensive line is so damn good. They don't allow any pressure on on the quarterback. Their offensive line has only has only allowed one sack all season. When you're able to protect the quarterback like that, when you're able to open up lanes for your rushing game, 
it's a huge advantage you have against anybody. And Bo Nix, maybe he just needed the change of scenery, AJ. Maybe he just needed to get out of his father's shadow and get away from Auburn. Or maybe just get away from Brian Harson. And actually, the guy said different coordinators and different coaches his whole yes. tenure there at Auburn. Uh, he's playing fantastic football right now for the Ducks. Uh, maybe I'm higher on Oregon than than other people. I really like this team a lot. They're the best team in that conference. Well, I I don't disagree with that. Uh, Oregon is going to have a couple tests down the stretch. Utah and at Oregon State, their last two games at that the at Oregon State game, the Civil War game. That'll be a real good uh, real good game this year, I think. And Oregon State always plays Oregon tough, particularly at home. That should be a lot of fun. So. We'll see how things shake out. Uh, like you said, there, there's no sense in getting too worked up now over where it all where. plays itself it out. It all figures itself out eventually. All right. Let's get into this week's games. Oh, you know what? I, I need to address my last man standing contest on yes. this pod. I am no longer standing. Mm. Fresno State, down I go. Fresno State minus eight and a half in the contest. There were 30 people left out of 3,000. And... I had I, I've got no regrets about the pick. Uh, I found out on Saturday m- mid morning that Jake Hayner was a go. Mm. So you're getting back the Mountain West Conference Player of the Year. Like, th- th- okay, the line was already at ten and a half by kickoff. It was up to twelve. So I'm getting, Yeesh. you know, I'm I'm getting three and a half points of closing line value. I'm getting a quarterback and. They came up short. They, uh, they they won the game, didn't cover, didn't mm-hmm. really deserve to win the game. They played poorly, but no regrets about the pick. It was the it was the right strategy, um, and I can kick myself in the head all day because my the the next option was North Carolina, who covered easily. Mm-hmm. But it, it was you know if I if I let myself live like that, then yeah, exactly. I'm always gonna be like, oh, I should have done. It, it doesn't work that Bottom way. Bottom line is the contest started with two thousand nine hundred and eight entries. Yeah, and you were among the final thirty people. I'm curious to see how many people went down this. I week. can tell you right now. I have the numbers oh, in got front it? of me. What do we got? There are fourteen remaining. Ah, that hurts. Half. Well, exactly, a little more than half because 16 It was out half of 30. and then me. I was probably the, last, I was the only one playing the late games probably. If, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, so had you advanced, there'd be 15 people remaining, 14 entries remaining out of 2,908. Now, let me ask you, are you going to pre- not pretend but select a pick yeah, I'm gonna, each week uh, yeah. to see if you keep surviving? I'm going to stop by stations tomorrow, pick up a, uh, a, sheet, a sheet, and, and, and see, see, see what I would have gone see with. See if you would have stood. All right, and we'll keep updating. Uh, they update them every Tuesday, the standings, and, and seeing uh, who's available or, I mean, who's uh, left standing. Again, started with 2,908. There were 30 after week seven. There are 14 left standing after week eight. All right. Congratulations on a good run, my friend. Thank you, man. Unfortunately, the good run doesn't pay in this one, but that's all right. Let's let's get into this week's picks. Uh, we are still f- four and four week last week, so we're still four games over 500. Uh, like at this point, we need a couple miraculous weeks to win this thing. At this point, I'm just trying to finish strong. Uh, where are we going to start this week? I'll let you take the honors. I'm going to start with a team that is disrespected by the college football playoff rankings, and I I just talked about them. It's TCU. TCU, I'm going to lay the wood here. At home, nine-and-a-half-point favorites over Texas Tech, and I think this is a, a game in which they try and make a statement 
to the College Football Playoff Committee. College Football Playoff Committee Chair Boo Corrigan was asked why a one-loss Alabama team was ranked higher than an undefeated TCU team. And his response was, quote, we are looking for a balanced team, offense and defense. They've gotten behind in some games. They have been able to come back, end quote. That is a point that Sonny Dykes is going to make to his team this week. That we cannot trail. We cannot come from behind. We need to show the committee that we are a balanced team. They're the number three scoring offense in the nation. But you said it before. They don't play a lick of defense. They do not. They, If they want to stay in the mix for a college football playoff spot, they need to not just win every game. They cannot trail. It's okay if you're down a possession. It happens. The other team gets the football. They score on their opening drive. It happens. Whatever. You can't go down double digits. I think this well, which is, is what you saw two weeks ago against yes. Kansas State. That was a bad look. Can't let it happen anymore. So this, I think this is the game where TCU not only gets up, but builds on that lead to show the committee we can play defense. We're not going to let a team come back on us. We're not going to trail. This is going to be a spot where they run up the score on Texas State. By the way, that was when they that game against Kansas State where they were trailing. Uh, and they were down, I think, 28-17 at halftime to a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the kind of stuff that the committee looks at and goes, oh, okay. And, again, I, I think that when it's all said and done, you know, the wins will be the wins, and there will be some games that TCU will, will look back at and go, okay, that's a, that's a good win. As it stands right now, I mean, their their best win is either over Kansas State or or Oklahoma well, this, with backup quarterbacks. Th- and this is what I'm trying to say. This is the time of the season. There are two things that I enjoy betting in college football. It's when it's late in the year and teams need to get to that sixth win to win a bowl game, right? And it's when style points are needed. Style points are needed here for TCU. Here's the question I would have. TCU, do they have look ahead this week with Texas on deck? You can't. You cannot afford that. You need the style points need to be there. Because if they I'll tell you, I'm I'm telling you right now, I've seen the way that this committee, I should be on this committee, by the way. I've seen the way that the committee works year in and year out. If T even if TCU wins this game, but they are not convincing and they do not cover, they will drop from number seven. And they're going to be an 8-0 team that is going to fall behind somebody like an Oregon or a USC. Or I'll tell you right now, LSU wins their game against Alabama. LSU's climbing up. Yeah, Alabama drops down, but this is going to – they are in danger. They're in a dangerous spot right now because what the committee is telling us by ranking them seventh, like I argued before, they do not respect the conference. They do not respect this team. If they don't win convincingly, they will drop down. All right. I, I'm nervous about it because, like I said, I feel like this this TCU team is so phony. But this is – you're right that if if what they need is style points, they, they can't afford look ahead. What, are you, what do you think the line is next week, TCU at Texas? TCU at Texas? Yep. Texas minus two and a half. Okay. That's kind of what I'm thinking too. 
which is what Texas is this week at Kansas State. Uh, all right, for my first game, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go blazing. I'm gonna go with the UAB Blazers. I think they're at the bottom of their value right now. They're coming off back-to-back losses. Western Kentucky, Florida Atlantic, those aren't good losses. But they were without their starting quarterback in both of those games. Now he's ready to go against UTSA, who's outside the top 100 in pass coverage. Mm -hmm. They are the second-worst tackling team in the country, ahead of only our good friends in Colorado. The UTSA run defense is elite, but with Hopkins out there, at least UAB is not going to be forced to run, which is what's been going on the last two weeks. They've basically had no option but to run. On the other side, they've got be- UAB has the best secondary in G5. It's only behind Iowa's for best in the country per PFF. Frank Harris has been great yeah. for UTSA this year, but he's coming off his two worst QBR weeks of the season besides the game where UTSA was just overmatched against Texas. I've been a big believer in this UAB team all season. I was a, a preseason believer in them. Now getting them as a home dog when the world has written them off – that that excites me, and I, I think a lot of people don't realize that because listen, when when a you know an, an SEC team is playing without their quarterback, everybody talks about it, especially if they lose without their quarterback. When UAB play, how many people did you hear talking about UAB playing without their quarterback? It's not it's not mm-hmm. public, you know. I mean, it's it's public knowledge, and if you look at the box scores, you can figure it out. Nobody's talking about it now. UAB gets their they get their guy back. I feel like this is a good spot for them. I'm going to go UAB catching points at home. Plus one and a half is out there. I'm going to say plus one because that's what uh, Will Hill has, what I, just what I think it'll be for the contest. So uh, UAB plus one is my first selection. Do you think this will be on the contest sheet? I think UTSA has been on the contest. Like these are two pretty high profile uh, G5 mm-hmm. schools. And you got to remember, there's so many games early in the week. That's a good point. So th- there will be, I think there will be some more G5 games on the card than normal because there's some Power 5 games going on Thursday, Friday. That's a good point. Uh, okay, I'm going to go from one heavy favorite to a heavier favorite. Uh-oh. Yeah. I'm going to lay the wood with Illinois against Michigan State. I think Michigan State's <laughs> dead. I don't disagree and now, with you there. Now, I bet we bet on Michigan State last week. Plus the 22 and a half against Michigan. They covered by the hook. Thank you very much, Sparty. But they have had now eight players suspended as a result of the scrum in the hallway after the game. There's going to be a lot of underclassmen probably playing for Mel Tucker. He's just going to look and see what he has moving forward. But this team doesn't have a pulse. They scored seven points last week against Michigan. And Illinois has the best defense in the country. They've only allowed six touchdowns on the season. Last week, Tommy DeVito... As efficient as you can be. 20 of 22 passing. Just 179 yards. But he had three for two touchdowns. Chase Brown continues to dominate. 149 yards. He leads the nation in rushing with 1,208 yards. Last week against Michigan, Blake Corum rushed for 177 yards on this Michigan State defense. And that was a game that Michigan State came in playing with pride. Playing with passion. Playing with fight. Now they're down eight players due to suspension, <laughs> several of those on defense, yeah. and now they're going to stop the the nation's leading rusher in Chase Brown? This one is going to be embarrassing. We saw what Illinois did last week in their win over Corn, where they just took care of business. They didn't allow Nebraska to score, and that's what's going to happen. Nebraska did lose a quarterback. Let's, uh, let's keep that in mind. Still can't score. Uh, yeah. 
And that's what's going to happen this week. I think we're going to see a pretty similar score. Last week it was 26-9. to I think we're going to see something similar. Do you realize that Illinois is only allowed, what, how many touchdowns are they allowed this year? It's the least amount of touchdowns in the nation. Because six, six touchdowns. Six touchdowns I'll, all year. They're set, they've played eight games. You know what? You're right. Like, and I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you on this. You like Illinois more than I do. I still can't get it out of my head, that game against Indiana. I know. I bet him and I lost it. Stop bringing it up. <laughs> like, but every everything else that they've been faced with, they've handled. So I need to. maybe I need to get off my bias let's all, against let's Illinois also, here. Let's also remind people that Indiana game, they were winning for the entire game yeah. except for the final minute. They allowed Indiana to march down the field 75 yards in under a minute and score the game-winning touchdown. 75 yards in the final minute. They only allowed Indiana 70 yards of offense the entire second half until that final drive. Yeah. Other than that, this is an 8-0 team. Yep. How crazy is that? That is wild. They could have been, they could be 8-0 and, and then 9-0, maybe 10-0 going into Ann Arbor to play Michigan. And that's what we'll be talking about. Illinois and Michigan both ranked high. It's not going to matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, for my second game, I'm going to go to the ACC, and I'm going to go with North Carolina. Seven-point favorites on the road against Virginia. We all know the deal on North Carolina. They cannot stop the pass. (laughs) It is bad. They can score, though. Good news, though, Virginia can't throw. Other good news, Virginia can't run either. This is a dreadful offense. Brennan Armstrong I don't know that there's any quarterback in the country who's like whose stock has fallen more from last season to this season than Brennan Armstrong. This was the guy who was looked at as one of the better returning quarterbacks. He's been so bad. He's a turnover machine. Virginia's offense has scored more than 17 points twice this year. Mm. Once was against the Richmond Spiders. They scored 34 points in that game. And then they scored 22 against Syracuse. 17 points, that's not going to keep you in a game with North Carolina. Uh, their offense has been clicking. They are scoring just under 40 points per game in their FBS games. And once they get going in here, I don't see how Virginia just – I don't see how they keep pace. This is a case of one team with a really bad defense – and one with a really bad offense. The difference is we've seen North Carolina be able to overcome their defensive issues. Virginia has not. They don't play defense at a level that's great enough to make up for their offensive woes. Carolina plays offense so well that it doesn't really matter. Their defense stinks. Mm. That's, that's why they're. That's, that's why they've got one loss. They're, they're a really good team because they can score with anybody. Virginia's defense isn't good enough to keep them in this game. North Carolina minus seven will be my second play. I think the biggest thing that you're the biggest difference uh, that you're seeing with Brennan Armstrong and this Virginia offense is that the coordinator's gone. You know, Robert yeah. and I is now at Syracuse, which is why I think you're seeing Garrett Schrader and that Syracuse offense having success. You know, Garrett Schrader looks like Brennan Armstrong. Yeah. And, and Brennan Armstrong looks like a shell of himself. And I think that's what happens when you lose uh, an important coach like that. So uh, I, I, I like this. You and I have talked about North Carolina for the last couple of weeks now. And that's pretty much the bottom line with them is if not for that one loss, We'd be talking about them in a whole different category. I don't think anybody is talking about North Carolina going to the college football playoff, but they run the table. 
and they beat Clemson in the ACC championship game. There'll be discussions. A one-loss ACC champion, but they won't even be considered. No, you're probably right. They probably won't be. No. Not not as far back as they are right now yeah, in the rankings. No, you're right. Yeah, but I mean, a, a, listen, a win over Clemson would would go a long way, and that like sure. a, a late win over Clemson would be would be huge for them. But you're right; it it, it probably doesn't matter. Uh, and like like the committee says, we want to see complete teams. But if yep. their if their only loss ends up being to Notre Dame, it's not a bad loss. Though they will, they're not a complete team. Though they'll have to show, they'll have to show out against. I mean, they'll have opportunities. They'll have have an opportunity to show out at Wake Forest, which should be the highest scoring game of the season. (laughs) Uh, And uh, and we'll see what in North Carolina State that the juiciness of that win has lost some luster Mm -hmm. with Leary being done for the year. But uh, be interested to see how the committee looks at Carolina when the time comes. Where are you going for pick number three? Going to the Liberty Bowl. Uh, the American Athletic Liberty Conference, where we have UCF back in the top 25. Congratulations, the Knights, the number 25th ranked team in the nation. If this game was in the bounce house, I'd be all over UCF, but it's not. This game is in Memphis, where the Tigers play well at home, especially as a home underdog. They are catching three and a half points here against UCF, who might not have their starting quarterback. John Rice Plumley left the Cincinnati game after taking a big hit, and Mikey Keene came in, finished 15 of 21 passing, 176 yards. Okay, great performance. Now he's got to prepare as the starter. I think it's going to impact Gus Malzahn's team. I think it's probably going to be a more conservative play-calling scheme. Mikey Keene does not have the running ability that John Rice Plumley has. It's probably going to be a lot of Isaiah Bowser. In this game, Memphis comes in off a bye. They had a lot of time to prepare for UCF, an opponent that they know very well. And a lot of time to lick wounds after losing three straight. Yes. and But in the loss to Tulane, Memphis dominated the second half. You love this Tulane team. Memphis outscored them 28-3 in the second half of that game. But the hole was too big. They dug themselves in too big of a hole in the first half that they just could not come back from. But still, 28-3 against... Yeah. A, the, what, the number 19 team in the nation in the second half, that's darn impressive. Yeah. And Memphis lost to UCF last year. But Seth Hennigan didn't play in that game. He was hurt in that game. He's eager for this matchup. Do you know who did play in that game for UCF last year? Mikey Keene was the quarterback. And in that game, 11 of 19 passing for only 63 yards a touchdown, and an interception. So if it's him starting instead of John Rice Plumley, Ryan Silverfield knows exactly how to contain him and stop him because he did it last year. Memphis ranked seventh in red zone offense. I worry about a hangover from Central Florida after getting the emotional win over Cincinnati last week. And I think Memphis off a of bye is looking to bounce back. I'll take them as home dogs. Yeah, they lost a couple games in a row that they probably feel like they should have won. The UH game, we you know, we had the, the Houston game was it took a miracle for them to did. lose that it game. It took two miracles for them to lose the that touchdown, game. The touchdown, the onside kick, the touchdown again. Come uh, on. Uh and then the East Carolina game, remember that was a four overtime game. Four overtime game, uh, absolute shootout. Yep. So I, I think if you look at and Memphis's, then outscoring Tulane in the second half, twenty eight to three. And, and you know what? Even that, like Tulane's just better than Memphis. Sure. I, I, and I'm, I'm I'm okay with. And no one wins at Tulane. But like, you you go into the half down. What were they down? Thirty five. 
35 nothing. 35 nothing, yeah. You're down 35 nothing. You would think a team would roll over and quit after that. They did no. not. 28 to 3, they outscore them in the second half. They lose the game 38 28. And I think if you just look at Memphis's record and you see 4 and 4, it doesn't tell the full story. So I agree. I do think it, it doesn't quite get there with my power rating numbers, but. If there is a quarterback change uh, for UCF, this certainly – I think the number jumps. I think you, you see certain value here in Memphis. Jump, yeah, it's going to go down. That's what you're Yeah, yeah it's, it's not going to be Central Florida minus three and a half. It'll probably be closer to a pick em if if it's announced that John Rice Plumlee is not playing. Uh, all right, I'm going to go with – I'm going to stick in the ACC for my third pick, and I'm going to go with the Clemson Tigers. And this really just boils down to me not having the faith that Drew Pine can <laughs> lead his team to a win because Notre Dame, the, the their offense has been really bolstered by great running game the last couple weeks. That said, it's a lot easier to run against Syracuse and UNLV than it is to run against Clemson. It, Clemson's allowing under 88 yards per game rushing. And on the other side, DJU should be able to find some time to throw because the Clemson running game has been so strong. Notre Dame is going to have to respect the run. Will Shipley coming off his best game of the season. And really, Will Shipley has made DJU uh, – he's made him look better mm. this entire season. Uh, and he, his last game ran for 172 yards on 27 carries at Syracuse. Now he's got a Notre Dame run defense that's allowing nearly 130 yards a game. All the matchups favor the Tigers here. I think Clemson already has a coaching edge, and now you get Dabo off a bye with extra time to prepare for this game, which is clearly a big game for Clemson. Clemson minus four feels really good to me. It feels, feels short. I feel like this, this is a game they win by a touchdown. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, I kind of thought about taking Notre Dame plus the points just at home. You know, it's a prime time game under the lights, Notre Dame Stadium. I think it's kind of got a, a certain mystique to it, right? But they're just not on the same no. talent level this year. All right, where are we going for your final play? Okay. Um, I tossed and turned about this for a while. Okay. I'm not saying I lost sleep. You know, I sleep fine. Yeah. But I did toss and turn a little okay, bit. Okay, well. Like a, a back issue, or no, it's like I, I adjusted positions, okay. you know, and <laughs> maybe a little like nighttime gird. Okay, you know, yeah, had, yeah. To, had to pop a Pepsi and go back yeah, to bed. I get that. I'm going to take the points with Tennessee against Georgia. Okay, I, I think that this comes down to a one possession game between these two teams. These offenses are so great. Georgia's the number two offense in the country. Tennessee's number one. <laughs> Georgia also hasn't really been a cover machine this year. No, they're, no. They're three and four against the spread. Tennessee's offense, fifth in the nation in yards per completion. You got to take away the service academies, though, because they throw it so rarely right. that whenever they get a completion and get yardage, the average ranks up. So the top three teams in yards per completion are the three service academies. Okay. Take away those three, it's North Texas and Tennessee as the best teams yeah. in the country, passing in yards per completion. Georgia has not faced an offense like this the entire no. season. As great as Georgia is, and believe me, I, I I love this Georgia team. There's no one on their schedule that they have faced that is going to be as good as Hendon Hooker in this offense. I also worry about the Georgia pass rush. Nolan Smith is out for the year. 
Georgia has 10 sacks this season. Three of them are from Nolan Smith. So you're losing a big part of your pass rush against a quarterback that you don't want to give time to to throw the football. I think Hendon Hooker is going to do what he does. Look at what he did to Alabama. Yeah. Just think about that. Alabama is the best comparison that you can give to this Georgia team. And look at what Tennessee did to Nick Saban's Alabama team. 52 points in that game. 567 yards of offense. Uh, Georgia could win this game. They probably will. If you're asking me to pick a winner, I'm giving you Georgia as the winner. Eight and a half points. I'm beyond the touchdown. I'm beyond the eight points that have have the two-point conversion protection. So if this game does go to overtime and they have to do a two-point conversion, I get the protection off the eight. I think it's just too good to pass up because you're never going to get a number like this with Tennessee ever. I I don't disagree with this pick at all. I was hoping to get Tennessee plus 10. Uh, Eight and a half is good enough. Uh, I'll probably be riding with you on this one. So while I'll give you my final pick here in a moment, but because we're talking about the game, I'm going to give you my total now. Tennessee, Georgia, under 66 and a half is going to be the play for me. Georgia, I believe, is going to do whatever they can to – take the air out of the ball on Saturday. They saw getting in a track meet with Tennessee, exactly what Alabama did. It doesn't that, work. That's not the, that's not yeah. the game. They, like, they, Georgia's already 106 nationally in seconds per play. They, they are a slow team. Yep. They are going to try to slow this thing down. Both these teams have elite front sevens. So, and, and let's face it, Tennessee has a bad secondary. Like The way to beat Tennessee is through the air. But... Georgia's not going to let Stetson Bennett go out there and chuck the ball around. Mm. No, he's going to take six, seven chunk, you know, little yeah. plays at a time and and work the ball down the field. Take their time, control the clock with a passing game. I think that's what they do. I think they're going to grind that clock, make it as ugly as possible. And last year, if you go back to last year's game, Georgia made life miserable on Hendon Hooker. Now, granted, it's a different Georgia team. Uh, Georgia defense last year was arguably the best ever. And it's a different Tennessee team. Sure. It's a very different Tennessee team. I think that this total is all about the pace that they play at. And listen, Hinden Hooker is not going to be sloppy with the ball either. Mm -hmm. He's going to have to be careful too because he knows this is, like you said, I think this is a one-possession game. Yeah, You can't go turning the ball over here. I think Georgia dictates the pace of this game. Uh, and which is great for a Tennessee cover in my mind, but I, I think if, if if the higher this game goes, the the more of a track meet it is, the more variance there is. I think it's an under game. I think Tennessee getting the eight and a half points makes sense here, but I, I at sixty six and a half points is absurd. It's a lot. That, that's the total of the Houston SMU game. But Georgia, I might, go, I might go over in that game. Georgia's defense is playing in this game. Yeah, yeah they're still pretty damn good. Let's yeah. not forget. That's what I would lean that way as well. All right, uh, for my last side, ooh, I am going into the trash can here. Okay, New Mexico. Ooh, that, that is trashy. Plus sixteen and a half at Utah State. Sixteen and a half is an outrageous number for a team in Utah State that's probably on their four-string quarterback. Mm -hmm. Logan Bonner's out for the season. The backup and the third stringer both missed the Wyoming game, which left true freshman Bishop Davenport to play quarterback. And that went about as well as you would have expected. He threw for 104 yards and a pick and a 28-14 loss to a bad Wyoming team. Well, 
Maybe Utah State just runs the ball, right? Mm-hmm. They can't. Uh, PFF grades them as the 99th rushing offense in the country. They are 104th in EPA per rush. They can't run the ball. New Mexico's offensive strength is running the ball, although th- th- let's face it, that's relative. Their offensive strength is relative to what they are. Uh, but that's going to help them against a Utah State run defense that's outside the top 100 in PFF run defense, explosiveness allowed, EPA per rush allowed, outside the top 100 in all of those. I think both teams try to run the ball, keep the clock moving, which makes 16 and a half a ridiculous number. I, I, ju- I don't see how – I mean, th- this Utah State team has had two games in a row now against bottom-feeding programs in, in Colorado State, and I just mentioned Wyoming. They scored a combined 31 points in those two games. The mm-hmm. offense is bad because they – and they're coming off a bye – so there are quite, maybe they're going to get one of these backup quarterbacks, but none of these guys are Logan Bonner. And this line makes it feel like Logan Bonner's playing. He's not. This is not a good situation for uh, for, for Utah State here at quarterback. So 16 and a half, even with a bad, bad New Mexico team on the other side, I'm going to take those points and hide. You're not going to get an argument from me. Anytime a team allows over 200 rushing yards a game, you're not going to get an argument from me. So All right. Well, I, there, there you have it. I'm okay with it. Uh, my total... I feel like I just got to go back to the well and 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 just go. Every Houston game goes over, so I might as well just keep doing it. Uh, Houston SMU total is sixty six and a half. I think the book is finally catching up to this whole Houston over thing. Yeah, they're aware. You know, they're saying, wait a minute. Um, last week we lined up Houston and and South Florida at fifty nine. Ooh, that went way over. <laughs> wait, oh man, it was what was Houston Memphis? We lined them up at. What, what, 57 and a half? Oh, man, that went way over. Yeah, I think we have to adjust this thing. So this is a very high over, but you got Rhett Lashley's offense at SMU. They're not going to stop. You got Houston, who can score with the best of them and can't tackle worth a lick. So if they allowed South Florida to score 27 points against them, SMU's probably going to get like 30-somewhat. Houston probably going to get 30 somewhat points maybe 40 maybe both teams play in the 40 let's just go over Houston SMU every Houston game goes over all right there you go all right so there we go we're going to go with UAB plus one North Carolina minus seven Clemson minus four New Mexico plus 16 and a half TCU minus nine and a half Illinois minus 16 Memphis plus three and a half and Tennessee plus eight and a half Tennessee Georgia under 66 and a half Houston SMU over 66 and a half. Good luck to you guys this week. Of yours, my favorite is probably Tennessee. Okay. Uh, Of mine, my favorite is either Carolina or New Mexico. I was going to say North Carolina. Is that what you want to roll with? Because that's, well, my favorite of yours would be North Carolina. Okay, what's your favorite of yours? Either Tennessee or Memphis. Okay. Um. I'll let you call it, then. We'll go with North Carolina or Tennessee. You make the call. I'd rather take the points than lay the points, to be honest with okay. you. Okay. So let's go Tennessee. Best All right. There you go. Tennessee. Is that square? They're the number one team in the nation. They're eight-and-a-half-point dogs. I don't know. But then again, it's Georgia. Like, don't you think people are better to bet in Georgia? I, I don't know who people are going to bet. I, Georgia's I, home. It's, it's. I think both just, teams will get some action. This isn't going to be lopsided betting one way or the other. I'll tell you what the splits are right now. Let's pull up the updated splits here. Okay. Just to see where we are as we record this podcast. 
updated splits on the number one versus number three matchup. Right now, wow, wow, wow. 94% of the money on Tennessee. Oh, we. Yeah, we're, we're a square dog. We'll go North Carolina minus seven. <laughs> best bet for the for the pod today. Uh, North Carolina minus seven, the official best bet. Uh, all right. Before we get out of here, we, we appreciate you guys, of course, and uh, you've been good to us, so we like to throw a little back your way. North Carolina, only 83% of the money. Oh, there you go. You want to head over to pregame.com, use the promo code RIVAL20. It's a one-time use code, good for the rest of this week. 20% off of our listeners for whatever you want at the site. You want a season-long package. You want a, uh, a weekend package. You want one best bet. You can get 20% off using the promo code RIVAL20. I, may I recommend to you Scott Seidenberg's hockey package, his season-long hockey package, is killing it. Uh, may I also recommend college basketball is about to get underway. We're less than a week That's from college basketball tip-off. I'll have a season-long college basketball uh, package that's available. So lots of ways to check things out at pregame.com. Use the promo code RIVAL20 and save 20% off when you do. That is going to do it for this episode. Good luck to you this weekend, and we will talk to you next week. Offense, play fast. Defense, swarm, swarm and tackle, attack. We got out block them, we got out tackle them, we got out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them, you out tackle them, you out hit them, and you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt.